the, the second I saw it, the first thing it turned me off. Now, if they would have done it right, or the way that you're describing, they would have had four or five things. I would have had a reasonable amount of added value. And I would have probably said, oh, this is interesting. Let's give it a shot. What do I have to lose? Hey, everyone, this is Norm Farrar, a.k.a. The Beard Guy here, and welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about building trust, building trust in sales with a first-time offer. We're going to be uh, discussing how to structure the offer, uh, how to uh, speed up the offer, and why uh, and what are the reasons uh, that people would buy the first-time offer. It's a little bit different. It's going to be pretty cool. I think you're going to learn a lot. And welcome to the Lunch with Norm podcast. Okay. I got to know our guest at the last M3 event in uh, in Austin just a little earlier. Uh, I guess it was about two or three months ago. And he is the principal and founder of marketing uh, of the marketing agency Allies for Me. He uses a proven method that mimics the stages of courtship. Allies for Me helps companies find strangers and convert them into high-paying customers. A first-time offer is like a cup of coffee, a simple date that accelerates to high-ticket sales. So we're going to uh, welcome first-time person on the podcast, Craig Andrews. Now, first, let's get to a sponsor. Facing cash flow challenges with your e-commerce business? Discover Viably, your ultimate financial ally. From real-time sales data integrations to immediate funding access, Viably is here to support you. Plan your growth with their free tool for online sellers and engage with specialists whenever you need. Extend your cash flow with Viably. Sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, enjoy the show. I am, and welcome, Craig. Hey, Norm. It's so good to be here. I've been looking forward to this. It was great meeting you down here in Austin. Uh, I think you're right. It was a couple months ago, and I've been really looking forward to chatting today. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm just going to say it again. I say this, every, well, almost every podcast, the importance of going to events. Now, it could be free to, free meetups. It could be a paid event. Um, at the time, uh, Scott Cunningham brought me down. So we missed out on an event. It got canceled. Scott calls me up and says, Hey, let's go down to M3. So I hopped on a plane, went down there and just got to meet a lot of great people, including yourself. So, uh, one thing, Craig, I thought about this after I look, I got, I came on late, got to admit it's typical, but one of the things that I want to talk about uh, and normally I don't ask this, but a bit about your journey. Uh, it's it's quite remarkable and, you know, it's incredible. So can we just go down that path for a few minutes? Yeah. You know, this morning I, I went to something called Camp Gladiator, which is it's a type of circuit training CrossFit that's you meet in a parking lot with a mat and a couple of ham weights. And there was a new trainer that had never trained me there this morning. And he sees me checking my oxygen. He sees me huffing and puffing. He's like, and he gets really concerned. He's like, are you okay? I say, oh, no, this is this is normal. And he's like, really? I say, actually, this is an improvement. And all of a sudden, some of the other, uh, they call them campers, but some of the other, you know, people training out there with me, they're like, yeah, his, his first time, he was here in a wheelchair and on oxygen. And that was January of 2022. So, you know, about a year and a half ago. But what preceded that was I, I went in the hospital August 10th, 2021, with uh, having struggling breathing with a really bad case of COVID. And I came out of the hospital three months later on November 6th. And 12 days after I went in the hospital, in the middle of the night, early hours of the morning, August 22nd, they called my wife and they said, we need to put your husband on the ventilator. And she said, well, he doesn't want to go on the ventilator. And they laughed at her and they said, if he doesn't go on the ventilator, he'll be dead in 24 hours. 
And she said, well, how many people have you had survive that you've put on the ventilator? And they said, nobody has survived. And so in the middle of the night, you know, discombobulated, alone, confused, bullied, my wife had to make a life or death decision. And, you know, she, and so she's, she gave him permission, put me on the ventilator and I was on the ventilator 25 days. The first time came off for a few days. And when they transported me to the, my second of three hospitals, uh, they had put me back on, I was on another eight days that time, but I was the first one that left that ICU alive. Wow. And, you know, they started telling my wife immediately that I was going to die. They pulled her into a conference room with, it was like 15 or 20 people, you know, a bunch of doctors, the head of infectious diseases, the head of medicine, you know, just a bunch of doctors, bunch of nurses, a uh, few, you know, bureaucrats or, you know, uh, administrators. And they started the meeting by putting my chart up on the wall and it said prognosis, multiple organ failure leading to death. And for a solid month, they told her that that was going to die. And they even had her meet with hospice to plan the day they were going to pull the plug. Obviously, yet again, the doctors were wrong. And here I am. So it's been an interesting journey. Uh, people that meet me today have trouble picturing this, but you know, two years ago, I was uh, very frail. I was in a wheelchair and learning how to walk again. Hmm. That's incredible. And just to meet you at the uh, event just a few months ago, you could never tell. You know, we're just talking and then you go up on stage and I'm going, holy crap, you've gone through hell. Yeah, and it was it was. It was, uh, I mean, it's been hard. Yeah. It, yeah. No doubt it's been hard. And, you know, this morning, you know, when, you know, do a few jumping jacks and I'm huffing and puffing for air, that's hard. That's, that's not been my life. That's not been historically what, how, how I've been. I've always been fit. And the, but it's been good. You know, there's been a lot that I've learned in the, in the process. And, you know, the, I would say the biggest game for me is my wife and I, it, it changed our marriage. We've never been closer. And um, the, there was something really interesting that happened. You know, I was in a coma for six weeks. And when, you know, when I woke up, I noticed my trust in the doctors had plummeted had just absolutely fallen through the floor while my trust in my wife had kind of gone through the roof. And I know we're talking about trust in sales today. There's, there's actually a lesson that I took away from that. And what happened was when I was out, nobody was sure what I could or couldn't hear. And the medical staff was saying stuff around me that they just should have never been saying. And but my wife, when she um, when she'd show up, you know, she had to fight them to get permission to even visit me because during COVID they weren't letting family visit. And she said, you know, she said, "Look, if you don't give me permission, you can talk to my lawyer." But I will, you know, if my if my husband's going to die, he's not going to die alone. And so she would come in, and they gave her an hour a day. And she'd come in, she would sing to me and she'd pray over me and she'd say words of encouragement. And what's really interesting is, you know, when I woke up, my trust in her was just through the roof while my trust in the doctors was shot, completely shot. And the doctors would come by and they would ask, you know, they'd want to do some procedure. And at that point, my mind was still really fuzzy and I was operating off of instinct. And the only thing my instinct told me was don't trust them. Mm -hmm. Don't trust them. And we're going to come back to that because it absolutely applies to sales. There were parts of my brain that were saying, whatever they say, say no. And so they would go to my wife and they'd tell her what they wanted to do. And she'd come to me and I'd ask her, is it safe? And she'd say, yeah. 
and say, okay, and then they could proceed. What's really interesting is when I look back at the things they were asking with a clear mind today, it was immensely reasonable stuff. If, if, if my brain was clear at the time, I would have said yes, but it wasn't. And so the only thing I had was my instinct that was saying, don't trust them. And, um, in about a week and a half after I woke up, I, um, you know, I, I'd noticed I would say some things and people would look at me weird. And I started realizing that what I believe about reality didn't match what uh, everybody around me believed about reality. And so I called my wife over to the bed. And this is, again, trust. And I said, Karen, I'm going to tell you some things. And I need you to tell me if these things ever really happened. And I started, she said, okay. And this was scary because a day earlier, a day or two earlier, was when I really realized I'd lost grip with reality. And I thought if everybody around me realizes that I've lost touch with reality, they're going to take away privileges. But I trusted her. And so the first thing I asked her about, I said, have we been to Louisiana? She said, no, no, we haven't. Why, why do you ask? So I thought I was in a resort in Louisiana. I know I'd been sick. And I said, this resort was kind of interesting. They had room service where it was a kind of a special room service. One of the things on the room service menu was I could call in and some young lady would come in and spray raw cow's milk at my face. And it'd make me feel better. And I loved it. So I just kept hitting redial. Bring me more of that raw cow's milk. And... Um, and uh, and eventually, you know, the time came when they, you know, they told me it was time to check out. I needed to leave the resort, and I couldn't move. I knew I couldn't move, and so I, and they were announcing this over the speaker in the room, and I said, "I can't move. You're going to have to come in and move me." And they uh, they said, "Well, you, you have to leave." And they started getting angrier and angrier, and they eventually said, "If you don't leave, we're going to tell your wife about your room service." You know, they had some other things on the room service menu that uh, she probably wouldn't have been happy about. But the <laughs> but my response to him was, hey, you can tell her. She knows I like raw cow's milk. There's no secrets there. And um, and they just kept getting angrier and angrier. And I could, I knew I couldn't move. I At one point, I tried to roll out of the bed thinking if I fell on the floor, they at least have to come in and pick me up. And I told her, I said, at one point, I heard them talking in the background. They said, well, let's get his wife. And I said, you came in, Karen, you came in, you put your left hand on, you put your hand on my left shoulder. And you said, Craig, this is Karen. I'm your wife. It's going to be okay. And at that point, she sat back and she said, Craig, I said those exact words in your coma. You know, and the thing that hit me, you know, as I was processing all this was messages were coming in continually and, and we could spend you know, we could spend the next three hours talking about what was going on in my state of consciousness during those six weeks of my coma. But the short answer is it was a reflection of what was going on in the real world. It wasn't disconnected from the real world. It was an interpretation that my brain assigned to the real, what was going on in the real world. And as an example of that, you know, at that time around the dream of the, you know, the resort, um, I, had respiratory techs that would come into the room two or three times a day, you know, th actually three or four times a day, usually young ladies. And they would put a mask of nebulized albuterol on my face. And that was a medicine that that would breathe in. And it would make me feel better. Mm. But my brain interpreted that as raw cow's milk. <laughs> and, um, but what hit me was that people were continually sending me messages and they were registering in parts of my brain that I couldn't fully explain. But the impact was clear. When I woke up from my coma, my trust in my wife was through the roof. My trust in the doctors went through the floor. And when I think about that in terms of sales, I started thinking about it you know, because it was fascinating. I was like, you know what? We do that. We send messages continually. When you're selling, 
you are constantly sending messages, messages you have no control over, just through your very body language. And when certain things start registering in the subconscious, it creates fear. It, it triggers those instincts that say, be careful, this person's trying to sell me. And it erodes the trust. Mm. Absolutely. Wow. Well, first of all, just an incredible story. And, you know, just, just incredible. Um, so thanks for sharing with our listeners. And now let's talk a, a little bit about the way that this impacted you and what you're doing right now. Yeah. Well, it's, it, um, the we we do something we call a irresistible first time offer and yeah let me just say this the i mean i know a, you guys are about amazon it's you know it tends to be a lot of low ticket stuff um you know my domain is a high ticket and you know there's some differences and you'll hear those play out in the, this first time offer but there's some things that are consistent you know that that move across financial domains there's some low ticket principles that we're going to cover but, you know, starting back in 2017, I, I tried to develop this concept. And the basic reason was I, I wasn't that good at sales. I just needed to do something. And so, you know, I realized instead of trying to sell, let me create an environment where people want to buy. And I uh, started working on this thing of what, what an introductory offer would look like that would be that any qualified buyer would say yes to. And the goal was not to make money on that introductory offer. It was to make money over the lifetime of that customer's journey. And the, you know, and it took about 18 months to sort of get something working because I had tried some techniques I had seen elsewhere that, that worked for, you know, more simple, you know, simple offers, you know, a great example uh, for those, for your listeners that have been around a few years is, you know, Columbia House Records had this deal where you could get 13 albums for a penny. You know, so if you're the type of person that wants to build a record collection for one penny, they would give you 13 albums. And then when CDs came in, it, you know, they switched CDs. And I tried some that, that, were, that were like that, but they didn't work. Uh, they didn't work for the high ticket stuff. And so about 18 months later, I, I made my first sale off of, what we call a first time offer. And then you know, over the last you know half decade been really dialing that in and perfecting. But what my time in the hospital really hammered home was the the need to create an experience. And and I guess let me dr really drill in on that. What what really differentiates companies is the experience that they create. And the experience that the medical staff created for me was one that made me not trust them. The experience my wife created for me was one where I trusted her so much that when I feared I was going crazy, I trusted her to help me sort out truth from reality. And, you know, we see that in other companies. You know, Apple decided years ago that when they shipped a product to your house, the experience of opening that product would be unlike anything else that you you ever experienced. And, and it's when you create that experience, that's when you really transform people. That's where you make these really tight bonds. And instead of making money off a one-time sale, you're making money off the lifetime of that engagement. You know, and, and this obviously is Thanksgiving week. We're coming up to Black Friday. And I, I had something show up and forget if it was social media or my inbox, one or the other. They, they were offering 90% off, which is, oh, my goodness, that's an expensive cost of acquisition. Which if you're going to do that, that's that's fine. But if you have to make your money off acquisition, continual acquisition of new customers, that's hard. It's competitive. It's, I mean, it's just tough. And so 
you know, what I would say that, that I would learned is it's important to optimize the experience so that you create an experience that people want to come back to again and again and again and again. You know, and Amazon's done an amazing job for uh, with that, that, <clears throat> you know, for many years, they just invested in, in building, you know, building their market share, but, you know, just continually evolving. And even when they reached a point of dominance, and customer service exceeded anything that was out there, they kept pushing further. You know, you know, one day delivery wasn't enough, or you know, it's two day delivery wasn't enough. You know, it had to move to one day, and then in some cases, same day delivery. And but those create experiences, and it's those experiences that build trust. Very good. So we're at the bottom of the hour. And I can't believe we're already at the bottom of the hour. But if this is the first time listening to the podcast, uh, we have a giveaway. It's called the Wheel of Kelsey. To enter it, it's just hashtag Wheel of Kelsey. To get a second entry, all you need to do is tag two people and you'll have that second entry. So let's talk about the giveaway. Uh, Craig, what are you doing today? Well, we have a uh, giveaway that is... Um, two things. It's a guide on how to build these offers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the hope is that with this guide, you can avoid some of the mistakes I've made. And I made many, you know, I've stepped on the rake way too many times. <laughs> um, but in the process, you know, really learn some things. And so that's one thing that's uh, in, in that gift. The other thing is uh, we give 23 days access to our course on how to build these offers. Uh, and let me explain why we do 23 days. We're not trying to be stingy. It's actually a goal to be generous because you know what? I've had people give me, you know, free courses. Hey, sign up here and you get a free course. I've never taken them. And so those courses have never changed my life. Mm. And we study human behavior relentlessly. And one of the things I know is if we just gave a free course with no limits, people would sign up. They would never take it. Their lives would not be changed. So we do a 23-day access because what that does is it actually gets people in there using it and putting the principles to work, which is, is our goal. And so uh, we have those two gifts. And if somebody wanted to get those, all they have to do is go to our website, which is alliesforme.com. That's spelled A-L-L-I-E-S, the number four, M-E dot com slash F-T-O-2-3, F-T-O-23, all lowercase one word, and that will get them uh, the guide. Okay, very good. So if you are interested, let me just get this straight, Craig. Is this, these two gifts for all listeners or is it, is there something just for the one listener? Is the course for just the one listener? Um, maybe, maybe I don't understand. the. Um, so anybody that goes there and signs up for that, they get both of those gifts. So well, there you go. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So look at that. There's uh, everybody who's listening live can go ahead and do that. Uh, but okay. So how about we do this? Kels, um, why don't we do the uh, the press release and distribution? as well. Okay. For the one-time gift. Is that good? Kelsey, Kelsey. Yeah. Yeah. That's good for me. Okay. What a prize package today. So first of all, anybody who goes and follows Craig's instructions there, um, or if you're not sure, just uh, contact Kelsey. He'll give you the information. You'll get this free course and the guide. And for one lucky person, they'll get the uh, press release written for you you just give us some information and we'll put it through our distribution channels which should get you about 400 plus um uh, uh media content with reach of probably over 20 million people so anyways that's it um kels let's go to a sponsor and we'll come right back this episode of lunch with norm is sponsored by vaa philippines looking for a high quality virtual assistant for your business with the rigorous screening, intensive Amazon and Walmart training, and ongoing professional development, 
Get the peace of mind with skill and motivated virtual assistants for a long-term working relationship. Hire through VAA today, and now let's get back to the show. All right. Again, for the listeners, if you have any questions or comments about creating an offer, uh, first-time offer, uh, how to motivate a customer journey or customer experience, throw that over into the comment section. Uh, Craig is here. He's an expert in the field and looking for that interaction. Okay. Uh, I want to keep going on what you were talking about just before the break. And that's the overall customer experience. And I think that's everybody that's a listener. Uh, so Amazon seller or e-com seller uh, would probably agree that they need to do it. And anybody who's listening who just likes receiving product, it's so important that that first time overall experience uh, is, it's all about the brand. Amazon recognizes that. They want to build your brand community. Well, one of the best ways to do it is to build up the, the overall, overall customer experience. And you know, you were talking, I was sitting back and I was listening about, uh, you know, what you can do, uh, the experience you saw with the 90%, very high customer acquisition. And I think about uh, one of our uh, clients that we work with, and they're a knife company, high-end uh, knife company. And what they've done is they have went around the world, they've given their knives away to uh, chefs, in return, they get recipes. So they've built out their own custom, two custom recipe books, plus they offer a meal plan. And we've also taken that exact approach. Now, everybody who's listened to, to me talk, they've probably heard me talk about this a thousand times, but we've taken the one brand, uh, the one knife, it's a 67 layer Damascus steel chef knife. They were selling at 49 and because we repackaged it and we we just had it's almost like the iPhone box. So we have an outer layer, inner layer, and we don't show the product. We unveil the product and then there's even a foam on top that they have to take off to, before they get to see the knife. So it's that anticipation, you know, piece that people love. Well, we're selling that right now, Black Friday, 99 to 124. It was 49 bucks. And it was, you know, just a couple of bucks in packaging. Now it's a little bit off topic, but just that customer experience will drive sales and they're willing to pay more because of it. So let's get back on topic and let's talk about crafting that, uh, like that one time sale, that first time sale. How do you get their interest? Yeah, that's, and that's a challenge. The, the bottom line, probably the shortest answer is you have to tap into a known pain. You know, and again, I work a lot with um, people who do high ticket stuff. Yep. And inevitably, I see them talking about the pains that they know their customer has, but their customer doesn't know they have those pains. Ah, okay. And I tell them, you will never, you will never solve, you will never get somebody not never, that's that's probably too extreme, but it's extremely hard to get somebody to care about pain they're unaware that they have. Now, once they're aware of it, yeah, okay, great. But the reality is you have to kind of tap into the into the pain. And there's you know, there's an axiom in marketing that says promise what they want, deliver what they need. And that's not a bait and a switch. That's I mean, whatever you promise, by golly, if you're gonna build trust. Make sure you deliver on everything you promise. If you want to destroy trust, don't, you know, break your promises. But the whole concept is in terms of getting their attention, you have to start with their, their need and, and so, and their pain. And it may not always be articulated well. And this is where you really have to understand your customer. And so I was talking to somebody who, um, who they, um, you know, their business is helping people launch podcasts. And we were digging in, they're, they're a client of ours, and we were digging into it and digging into the pains. And I asked him, I said, is it really their pain, the fact that they're not, they don't have their own podcast or they're not on a podcast? 
And you know, Norm, we're, we're this is what episode five twenty seven or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so it's it's hard for you to imagine a world that doesn't involve podcasting, doesn't involve you involved in podcasting. But there's a lot of people that have never launched a podcast, and so I asked them. I said, "What's their real pain?" And they're like, "Well, they don't have a podcast." I said, "I don't think that's their pain." And we kept digging down, and I said, "They have a revenue problem." At the heart of it is a revenue problem. They're hoping podcasting will fix that, and they're uncertain. But in terms of answering your question, how do you get their attention? You focus on the pain. Do you have a revenue? You know, do you have a revenue problem? Here's a way. Here, here are three ways of addressing that revenue problem, and we can help you address that uh, right away. And you know, and our advice to them was don't turn them immediately into a podcast host, obviously have that on the, on the roadmap, but start them guesting on podcasts. Mm. And, you know, and, and I can tell you, since you put out that offer, I've, you know, I had a little alert popping up. We've got people that they're that filling out the form, you know, and, you know, and, and taking us up on that offer. Well, that's a way of meeting new strangers. It's a way of working on revenue for your business. Help these people satisfy, you know, speak to the pain they have. They have a revenue problem, or maybe it's an authority problem. Even an authority problem, I would say, at its base is a revenue problem. And so the closer you can get to the root pain, the better you can solve it and the better you can engage them. Years ago, I had... Um, and this was actually when I was coming up with the concept of the, the, the first time offer, which is just an extension of a loss leader. It's a, you know, the people have done these for th this for years. Um, and I don't want to take credit for that because I learned from those people. What's new is we adapted to high ticket offers. But I was having lunch with somebody back when we were developing this. And she asked me, she drew a little grid and she said, Craig, you can put any of your products into one of these four quadrants in the grid. Top left quadrant was it removes an immediate pain. The next quadrant is it avoids future pain. Lower left quadrant is it delivers immediate gain. And the lower right quadrant is it promises future gain. And she said, which one do you think is the hardest one to sell? And I kind of fumbled around and eventually it was the promise of future gain. That's the hardest thing to ever sell. And she said, Craig, what are you selling? And I was like, holy cow, I'm selling future gain. Give me money today. I'll give you money tomorrow. And she said, well, what's the easiest thing to sell? And the answer is the removal of immediate pain. So if you're wanting to get somebody's attention and you're willing to move them to action quickly to bring them into your world to where you can start creating these magical experiences, the, the best way is to remove an immediate pain. Focus there. Pull them in your world on immediate pain and then create an amazing experience that naturally leads them to say, well, how do I do more with you? So that's a nugget. And Kelsey, I want to repurpose that uh, little clip that Greg just gave us. Uh, you know, the way, and I'm just trying to find a way that if, if you can't figure this out, so if you're, um, not even if you're new, but if you're an experienced seller and you haven't thought about it that way, one of the things that you can do, and just to start off, and, and you, you know, this, this takes a bit of work, but anybody who's listening, you might want to go over to markdegrass.com and he's got an, um, an AI prompt for building an avatar. So getting to understand your client. And then with Scott Cunningham, uh, we've seen this actually at, at, at M3, but I've known about uh, this model is Scott's TBIF campaign and where you really get to understand the hook. What are the pain points? What are you trying to solve? And, you know, how do you relieve that 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 problem right now? And it's very interesting. What you're talking about takes work. Um, and it takes work. It takes 
being in a quiet situation and trying to figure it out and then taking that information and figuring out what you can do to market that. Uh, and Scott's method, that TBIF is, uh, I found it very good. I, I've have it, actually have it, uh, Craig, as in a chat, as one of my prompts with anything that we're doing for customers now. So uh, it, it's, it's just kind of interesting, but would you agree that would be something that you can do to, to help out the situation to understand that quadrant? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I would even recommend um, sometimes there's an outside voice. Sometimes you need an outside voice. And we have a, we have a client right now, very smart, very accomplished, very savvy marketing agency. And he, um, he was showing us what, what he was talking about um, doing as, you know, as that front end to bring people in. And we looked at it and I said, I don't think that's going to work. I said, one, I think it's priced too high, but I don't think that's, um, I don't think that's the barrier. And what he was doing was he was, he had a little course and it was like a long comprehensive course. Um, that was kind of his front end. And I said, the, the pain, you know, I, I don't think people are going to do that because they, it's too much commitment. It's not about the price. I think they would happily, if you could remove their problems, I think they would happily pay the price that you're charging. I still think it should be less, but I don't think that's the barrier. The barrier is the time and emotional commitment. And so, Norm, you know, sometimes you need that outside voice because we, we are so passionate. I know this is the case with me. I'm so passionate about what I do that it's hard for me to, imagine people not seeing the things that are immediately visible to me. And it's when I have outside voices that say, uh, Craig, I don't get that. Or why would somebody do that? That forces me to step back and look at it and say, you know what? You're right. So that would be, um, that would be some encouragement would be just have, and it could be anybody. I mean, obviously, you know, they're, folks like me that you can call and pay to uh, do, and, you know, we do it well, but even your, your spouse or, or a friend who will is willing to be honest with you and tell you, I'm sorry, I just don't get that. Or I don't think people care about that is so critical to being able to get into there because business owners, I see it all the time. They get focused on pains. They know their customers have, the problem is the customers don't know they have that pain. Yeah, that's, that is so true. So let's take a look at the, the structure of those offers that you're creating. You want to take a few minutes and talk about that? Yeah, sure. So the, uh, the first thing is it has to be an impulse purchase. That means the coins in the cushion in your couch or the money in your wallet or the B2B equivalent of that. If they have to ask permission of anyone to spend that money, it's priced too high. If they'll ever be held accountable for how it's spent, it's priced too high. If they have to do any type of mental calculation to figure out if it's a good value, it's priced too high. So for B2B, we're usually targeting less than $500. And the reason for that is anybody with any decision-making authority in an organization can spend $500. For B to C, usually less than 100, often less than 50. Um, so that's kind of where we're targeting that. The second thing it is it has to deliver disproportionate value to price. And usually we aim for 10X. So if you have it priced at 50, you want it to be delivering $500 of value. If you have it priced at 500, you want it to have uh, you want it to deliver $5,000 of value and legit value, not some bogus right. value stack. Um, yeah, where, where your mama said you're really smart. People should pay you $5,000 for that. No, it has to be street value. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. In all this, exclude your mama. Um, yeah. Most of us, most of us are mama. Yeah, you know, moms think we're we're awesome. 
they're not going to give you the valuable feedback. They're going to, they're, they're going to just think you're awesome, uh, which is yeah nice, but not, not helpful for your business. The, um, um, the quick, quick side note. This is funny. When I was in seventh grade, I was, um, getting ready to go in eighth grade and they did some testing on me and, um, and I went and spent a day doing some testing and I, I don't know if it were IQ tests or what, but there were all sorts of tests. I came back and asked my mom, I said, how did I do on the test? And she gave one of these answers that only a mother could give. Um, it was, it, it, the answer was not, Hey, you're really smart. You're really capable. It was something else that somehow found a way to validate me without <laughs> indicating that that really bombed the tests. Oh. So, <laughs> um, at least I was smart enough to figure out that that's the answer she was giving me. But anyway, so uh, disproportionate, you know, impulse purchase. Next thing, disproportionate value to price. Third thing, this is really, really critical. And I can't emphasize this enough. It has to solve a problem. You must solve a problem for, for um, in somebody's life for these things to work. And by, by the way, I don't think I told you, I have a book that's coming out like any day now called Make Sales Magical. And it talks about this in great detail. And one of the things that we explain in the book is that when you solve a problem in somebody's life, it causes the uncontrolled release of oxytocin in the body. And oxytocin is this magical hormone. It's the bonding hormone that bonds baby to mother. And when you solve a problem in somebody's life, it bonds you together. And that's where you start seeing things. You know, my my stepson, I, you, I don't know if you remember. You remember when they came out with the iPhone 4 and they had some problem with the antenna where people were dropping calls. And there's like a brief time where you had like a little, you know, I'll call it a rubber that you put around the, uh, the phone to keep you from screwing up the antenna. Do you remember that? I don't remember that part. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was. Yes, yeah, so they'd screwed up. They put the, they printed the antenna on the exterior of the phone, and it turns out that when you touch an antenna, it changes the performance, and which which is not exactly a novel concept in engineering. That's that that wasn't that should have been something that they uh, saw. Well, they while they were working on retooling the phone to prevent against that, they had this little thing where you could just it was like a little piece of rubber that would go around the phone and would keep you from touching the antenna directly. And my stepson had a iPhone four and I asked him about it and he said, Oh, well it was my fault. I was holding the phone wrong. That's why it was dropping calls. You know, that's where that's the type of bonding that we're talking about. The bond that Apple had created with their customers where uh, I don't know if this is healthy. This is probably worthy of some counseling, but where he was actually blaming himself for holding the phone wrong. I'm like, what you mean up against your ear? Like normal people hold a phone. Yeah. That he was taking the blame for himself, but Apple had done such an amazing job creating that experience, creating that bonds, solving problems in people's life, solving problems in his life that when Apple underperformed, he didn't blame Apple. He blamed himself. Bizarre. Hmm. So that's the third thing is solve a problem in people's life causes the release of oxytocin. It's the bonding hormone. The next thing is it has to leave problems unsolved. You have to be looking at the lifetime value of this. These things fall apart if all you do is a single transaction with somebody. Your goal should be to have a massive lifetime value with everybody you engage with. And you know, you use these to bring them in your world, create that experience. And then the next thing is you want it to naturally lead to the next step. And so that's kind of the basic framework. And where I would say it's a little bit different between low ticket and high ticket are a couple other things. For the high ticket, you want to have four or five deliverables. Your first time offer should have four or five deliverables. Less than four feels underwhelming. More than five is ever, you know, overwhelms, confused, uh, confused mind doesn't purchase. The um, 
the other thing that having four or five does for you is it not everybody is going to care about all the things that you put in those four or five deliverables but if they care about two or three and it's a screaming good deal on those two or three it's kind of some insurance some um to hedge against getting a couple deliverables wrong or just having too much of a segment in market and um if you're doing if you're in a high ticket business at least one of those deliverables should be a high touch session a workshop actually two minimum of two or three workshops where you're actually working on the deliverables together uh, that's obviously unique for high ticket if you're doing you know lower ticket amazon stuff you can't build that in into your funnel um but where you would exchange that is you know focus on creating that experience focus on what you're doing you know you were talking about how you boxed your knife you know you created an amazing experience that starts registering in you know what we call system one thinking it's the back of the brain it makes 95% of the decisions it starts registering things there that make them happy that they paid that money for that knife and want to buy another one from you you know craig i'm listening to you and i'm going I just had an experience very similar to what you're describing where I distrusted it, distrusted the value because there was too much. So mm -hmm. for this, for this course I was looking at, it said that I had uh, like the course was X, but you get all this extra value. And when I looked at it, there was like 20 or 30 different things. And it was, let's say, I forget what the exact price was, but it was like $45,000 worth of value for this $9.99 course. <laughs> and this, the second I saw it, the first thing, it turned me off. Now, if they would have done it right, or the way that you're describing, they would have had four or five things. I would have had a reasonable amount of added value. And I would have probably said, oh, this is interesting. Let's give it a shot. What do I have to lose? And you just described exactly the process I went through just recently about why I didn't buy a course. Yeah. 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 I mean, $40,000 of value. I mean, what they did was they took the, you know, the proverbial value stack and they just kept adding and adding and adding and adding. And um, and they went way, way too far. And, and the other problem I have with those value stacks is I, I look at how people value that. And the question that comes to mind is, has anybody on this earth ever paid you that amount for that line item that you say is worth $2,000? Right. Yeah. And, and that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, if anything, I would say, you know, you kind of want undervalue, you know, and, and there's, there's a little bit of strategy there. You know, there's a little bit of strategy there. Now there's, there's, there's a principle and the, the principle that comes to mind that I think ties into that it, from a loosely ties into it, but it works off the same thing. Uh, a guy named Dr. Robert Cialdini, he's, you know, the, one of the major, minds on influencing in a field called compliance, getting people to comply with what you want them to do. Said something that has been so important and has changed the way that I approach um, so many sales. He said, your, mo your moment of greatest authority is the moment immediately following the disclosure of a weakness, vulnerability, or flaw. And he said, so as you're giving your talk, look for opportunities to put that out there. Well, if you put together a value stack that's overstated, your, your, your weakness, vulnerability, your flaw is that you think you're more valuable than you really are. But if your value stack is understated and people look at that and they say, wow, this is worth so much more and they reach that conclusion on their own, then all of a sudden the um it, it kind of flips that and it, it boosts your authority it's 
it's such a psychological game. You know, and uh, right now, by the way, Craig, um, it looks like my screen is frozen. I don't know why, but uh, we'll keep going. The audio sounds fantastic. So I do have another question for you. And then uh, we'll go to the questions if anybody's asked any questions in the comments. But what about mistakes? Why, why, are, why are sellers not doing something like this? It sounds so obvious, obvious that people would just jump on this and when they're launching, they'd get this to market. Why do you think sellers are hesitating or making mistakes in this? You know, there's there's a few things I see. The, the biggest mistake that I see, at least in the clients I work with, I tell them their biggest barrier is their insatiable desire to sell. Now, that, that probably sounds a little bit weird because obviously we're in business to sell and make money, as am I. Um, but it's one of those things that really... Um, I think really hurts them and holds them back. And what I do when we're helping somebody build an offer, we spend a full day working on it. And, but the first few hours of the day, I spend moving them out of a selling mindset and into a serving mindset. And it's amazing. Once I get in there, the, the offer actually comes together very quickly. And I never know what it's going to be you know, before we go into this process. It's not like I'm trying to steer them in a direction. I'm just following the process. Uh, so that's one thing. And, and you know what I would liken it to, you know, when I was in the Marines for six years, and of course the Marines are big on marksmanship. And one of the things that they taught me is when you're shooting, you don't want to focus on the target. You want to focus on the front sight post. The target should be blurry. All of your focus should be on the front sight post of your rifle. And so that's, what I would, I would draw that parallel to this. What, what messes people up is they get focused on the target, the sale, which make no mistake. You know, it's important. The reason you're squeezing the trigger on that rifle is to sink around in the center of that target. But to be able to do that effectively, you have to change your focus and move it to the front sight post. Mm. And so for us, that's what we view the first time offer as it's focus on that. And focus on serving them powerfully through that. And then those that, um, you know, and, and that will actually in, increase your accuracy. Uh, another big mistake I see is people get focused on the wrong pains. They miss the most important pains. And often it's the pains they wish they, they their customer knew that they had, that their, their customer probably has, but their customer doesn't know they have those pains. You can't sell to that. You have to sell to the pains that your customer knows they have. Uh, so that would be another uh, hmm. mistake that I would see. Those would be two really big ones. Okay. Well, thank you. And now I see that my screen is back, I think. Uh, uh, let Kelsey, let's go to the question. If anybody else has any questions, just throw them into the, uh, the comment section. But we have one right now, I think. Yes, we have one from uh, CoolHand99. He's asking, what are some customer experience touch points that are often overlooked in the e-com world? And what would you suggest as always uh, as ways to enhance those areas? Wow. Okay. So, and just, you know, full disclosure, I'm, I'm high ticket, less e-com, but what I would say is every single one, you know, look at Apple. If, if you want to learn how to dominate your market, just watch what Apple did, especially under the era of Steve Jobs. Um, you know, I'd say less so, you know, Tim Cook, definitely Steve Jobs. He looked at every single touch point, everywhere that they, everywhere he touched the customer, he optimized that experience. And look at what Amazon did. Amazon got to their point of prominence by optimizing every single touch point. And so if you're doing e-commerce, you know, obviously the, you know, the very first thing is, is your listing. Now you're feeding it into a template that's heavily controlled by Amazon and, and you have limited things that you can control. But you know what the one thing you can control is your copy. The copy that you use to write that up. 
And, you know, I searched uh, on a, you know, so um, this has been a little bit of a disappointment. This was a 4K camera uh, with integrated light that I could put on my laptop when I'm traveling. And I look at that listing versus every other listing. They all look the same. Find some way of delighting your client in your copy. The, um, you know, and, and if I think about this, if I start thinking about, and this is just on the fly. So um, if I think about, if I were writing the, the listing for this light, I would start describing how it's going to transform the way they look. I'm not going to talk about the specs. I'm not going to talk about this, that, and the other. I'm going to, I'm going to give a description that everybody's going to remember. And the advantage is everybody else is just talking about the specs of the camera. It's 4K. It has an integrated light. It has this. It has that. You know, and so the first place where you can delight your customer is with your write-up. And just catch them by surprise and, and make them laugh. But by the way, when, when you make somebody laugh, it causes a release of endorphins in their body uncontrolled and it makes them better at making decisions. Um you know, I told the story earlier about the uh, having the raw cow's milk sprayed in my face. You know, everybody laughs when I talk about that. And when I tell the story, if they're not laughing, I talk about how I keep hitting redial to get those ladies back in with more raw cow's milk because that felt good. That's releasing endorphins in people's system. That's optimizing that experience. So the first place I would say would be with the write-up. And then the next thing I would look at is, you know, Norm, like you talked about, how you optimize the boxing and the unboxing experience for your, uh, for your customer. But then the next thing is, I'm going to be looking at lifetime value. How do I optimize the lifetime value? Once they get that, what can I do to create an experience that is that pulls them into my world more deeply and gets them engaged and just absolutely delights them. Uh, you know, and an example I think of is, you know, I use the Synology NAS drives and, um, you know, even in an era when everything moves to the cloud, you know, I remember the, you know, the thing that surprised me about Synology was the, delightful experience of buying their product didn't end with a purchase and installation. They were just continually making the product better and better and better and pushing out notices saying, Hey, we have this new feature. I'm like, well, how much do I pay, have to pay for it? Well, nothing. Well, that just created this loyalty to their brand. Mm -hmm. So when I needed a new router, guess what? I bought a Synology router. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you see the companies that do it right and you see the companies that just don't get it. And, uh, that, that, uh, you know, what you were just talking about is that this free, um, offer or free edition. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. You, you experience it like, Oh, wow, this is cool. I mean, I don't have to pay anything and I get this free new add on because you're always expecting that you're going to have to pay. And, oh, that's cool. What else does this company have? And it's automatically, I don't know if it's automatic loyalty, but it builds over time. And if you can see this consistency with this brand, uh, then you're more loyal to that brand. So just like you said about the router and the hard drive. Okay. So I think that will wrap it up for today. First of all, Craig, anybody's interested in, in, getting that, uh, the gift, the two gifts that you're giving away today, uh, please let us know the URL and also if anybody wants to get a hold of you. Yes. So, uh, you know, one thing I, I barely mentioned, kind of glossed over, I have two, not just one, but two books coming out. And uh, one is Make Sales Magical. You can learn more about that at makesalesmagical.com. And there's another book that my wife and I co-wrote about my experience through COVID. Uh, it is a moving uh, book. It's called um, Hope That Won't Die. And you can learn more about that at hopethatwontdie.com. Uh, if you want to connect about 
you know, offers and, and what have you and building trust, come to alliesforme.com. Uh, that's A-L-L-I-E-S, the number four, M-E.com. And if you want the free gifts about how to build the offer, uh, just add a slash F-T-O-2-3 to the end of alliesforme.com. That's alliesforme.com slash F-T-O-2-3. And you can sign up there. Yeah, this I, I've already just messaged Kelsey that uh, we're going to grab this course because uh, it's just so much to learn. And if you you, you haven't realized, uh, Craig specializes in high ticket product, but everything he's talking about can be related. You can relate to Amazon sales. So check it out. This is free. I like. I wasn't expecting this. I thought, oh well. Craig's going to give us a prize, but this is for everybody. So if you're listening right now, check it out, go over there and, uh, you know, pick up this 23 day free course and the PDF. Okay. So I'm giving you about 15 seconds for anybody who has not uh, entered the hashtag uh, wheel of Kelsey contest today and tag two people. You get a second entry and we're also giving away a free done for you press release with distribution. So I'm going to read this live uh, advert right now. And then when we come back, we'll see Kelsey. All right. And this is for seller basics. By the way, before I read this, <coughs> excuse me for one sec. I know I'm going to cough. Oh my gosh. I love live so much. On Thursday or Friday, somebody called with a Black Friday issue. And that is somebody taking down their listing or uh, um, creating, they had a uh, false IP claim, which happens every Black Friday. You know, not to everybody, but to some people. And it's awful because it takes weeks usually to clear up. And this is why I urge listeners to go and get a subscription like the one I'm going to be talking about, because then you've got somebody, an experienced, world-class uh, lawyer that'll be fighting for you. And if you don't, like this one person, if you don't have this beforehand, then you're going to be spending thousands and thousands of dollars if you need to get this cleared up. And a lot of people do because of the sales that they're going to be missing. And this is throughout the year. So anyways, let's talk about um, seller basics. Okay, here it goes. Hey, Amazon sellers ever faced with account suspensions, ASIN hiccups, or IP headaches? Introducing Seller Basics, your Amazon account guardian. With just $99 per month, Seller Basics offers a dedicated team to shield your business from these challenges. Plus, this membership offers free legal consultation from seasoned e-com attorneys. No long-term contracts. Cancel with just a month's notice. View Seller Basics as your Amazon account health plan. Check it out at sellerbasics.com. And now for the disclosure, Seller Basics isn't an insurer or law firm. Consultations uh, come from independent firms. Resulting uh, Results uh, can vary. Memberships needed before events. This is what I was talking about. Membership needed before events leading to complaints and terms apply. Okay, that's it. Let's get to the wheel. It's time for the Wheel of Kelsey. Okay, let's see who's going to get the press release. All right, we'll shuffle these up. Oh, and by and... the way, okay, we'll do, I'll say this afterwards. Just a message that came up in the BDS chat the other day. Okay. Amar, congrats. Amar is today's winner. So, Amar, if you could email me, k at com, you're today's winner. Congratulations. So, uh, I was watching or I was going through the Billion Dollar Seller Summit um, chat the other day, and I saw somebody that had a press release. They used it for the first time. It wasn't through me. It was through another company. Uh, but they couldn't believe the results they got in the ranking of their keywords. So 
it is something we'll talk about it another time, but uh, press release and content marketing is definitely something to consider, especially now, you know, up until Valentine's Day, something definitely to consider. So uh, if you'd like to know more about that, just let me know. I'm not trying to sell anybody a press release, uh, but it is, uh, it, it, you, you might want to know a little bit more about it and how it can improve your marketing. Okay. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for being on. Norm, it's been so much fun. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks back here in Austin. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. So thank you. If you have any questions for Craig or you want to get in contact, grab the course. Uh, the links are in comments. Craig, thank you so much, sir. And we will see you later. Thank you. Want more great information? Don't forget to subscribe by clicking here. Also, if you want to check out our latest podcast, click over here. Entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneur.